0: So it is a blessing to be together here on Father's Day, to think about uh, the fathers who are with us, the fathers who are maybe no longer with us, and and the ones that have raised us, or maybe even the spiritual fathers, those who uh, come along and and guide us in the Word and and bring us uh, into His presence and into knowledge of Him. So it's Father's Day, you know, the day when... Fathers get a, a break around the house from doing chores, or, or as the wives call it, every day. I was hoping we'd get some chuckles on. All right. But here we are. It, it is uh, our upper room service. And remember, if you're, if you're new with us, we always kind of do something different uh, during our upper rooms. The, the kids are in the service. They don't go back to their Sunday school classes because we want them to take part In communion. We want them to understand what communion is and why we take communion. So our upper room service is just simply a communion service uh, when we have a time of remembrance uh, after my message. And since the kids are in the service, we like to include them on stage and do something kind of fun uh, with them. And uh, so at that this time, I want to invite the kids. You guys can come on up uh, on stage as we have some fun with them. And here they come, coming up slowly. They they begin making their ways up here. I even sent out a little preview of what could possibly be happening on the Facebook here. Let's count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, perfect. I think I was already counting her. Thank you very much. There's one in every crowd. Let me double check now. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine. Yeah, see, I was good. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of a treasure hunt. Okay. Now she came up here with a phone. Where is this? Her parents aren't even in the room. All right. Oh, there we go. All right. Um, all right. Maybe she's texting them right now. All right. So um, show stealer every time. Um So here we go. It's going to be a little treasure, and here's what I have. We have 12 toy kind of like items hidden out under these chairs. We also have 48 pieces, wait, let me scratch that, 47 pieces of candy. I ate one while I was setting it up. So there are 47 pieces of, of candy out amongst and under these chairs. Now, wait a second, you sitting in the audience, I see what you're thinking. You of this older, don't go looking under your chairs and try and steal from the kids. It's just not right. It's a Ten Commandment. It's included in it. So, all right. So, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and I hope you do because then I have to go back and get them all and I forget where I put everything. You can go out there. You can get one toy item. And you'll know what a toy item is because it's not candy. All right. And then... You can get, like, three pieces of candy as you look out there. Um, All right? What did you find two and you like the other one better? Oh, man. These questions. Okay, if you find something that you don't like and you like something better, you can maybe trade with a friend or there's some pretty awesome stuff out there. Anyways, there's no fine print on this or anything Uh, just have some fun enjoy the treasure hunt and you guys encourage them uh, as they go out there you guys ready for this all right there are some pretty awesome toys I'll I'll just say you know there were some stuff I might have wanted to even hold on to all right are you ready set go oh yeah careful See, here they go. They're off and running. They're looking under all these chairs. Oh, man. <laughs> There's instructions coming. I hear instructions being given out. I hear searching. I hear candy. Look at this. They're all looking. Oh, he got the cars. Nice. There's some cars. Keep looking under. We do only have till 12-ish, 12:45. Actually, I guess the longer you take on this, the longer I have to preach. So maybe some people are saying, "Keep searching longer." Here we go. This was the one part of the message that I really couldn't time with, so we're just going to kind of see how this goes and see how much stuff they get. I see stuff being handed to other kids, they're helping each other. That's great. Here we go. Oh, we got some candy there. You might have to get it's like underneath the chair, so if you're you gotta get way underneath and kinda look up to see. I know there's still some stuff over here, I'm sure and if you don't get it, Mr. Theron's gonna get it real quick. Maybe I'll just keep preaching while they just keep going. Evelyn's just hopping around and stuff. I mean, she's just doing her own thing. I see, I think people are getting sweaty and running around. There's definitely trading among the cousins in the back. I'm not sure what the Warner family's doing back there. All right, adults, if you want to help and look under the of the chairs in front of you, if you want to give them assistance, either the chairs in front or the chairs under you, you can feel free now to give them some. Oh, we got some pointing. There's some pointing. Don't strain your backs as you bend over there. They're way under there. Give you guys a few more minutes here. A few more minutes. Oh, yeah, there's some over on this side. Some over here. Definitely some over here. I would say this is one of those ideas that I started on Friday. And by the end of taping stuff under the chairs, I was realizing how ridiculous of an idea this was. <laughs> As stuff continued to fall off. And there's actually one. If someone didn't get it, there was actually a tape that had two pieces of candy on it. That was probably the last one because I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. All right, two more minutes, two more minutes, and then what you get is what you get, and then after church, we'll all just be looking still under. We might find candy next year still under there. It's still good. There's no worries about that. I don't think candy goes bad or anything. All right, one more minute. Oh, that's true. One more minute. I know all you are are waiting very patiently for the message, and I know... At the end, maybe when you go get your communion cup, we'll talk about that. You can check under those seats and see if anything extra is still under there. All right, thirty seconds, and then well, if you're done, you can come back on stage. If you're done, come back on stage. Fifteen seconds, come back on stage when you're done. Ten seconds. Ooh, he's going. Yeah, there you go. Handfuls. I got four. You got four. All right. Oh, you cleaned up house. All right. And you guys have my permission to eat all this candy today. She already ate one. Well, I already ate one too. That was on Friday. All right. So, did you get anything? Oh, yeah, you got the cars. Yeah. You got the toys, see? All right. Oh, and there we go, the glitter putty. All right. So, how did you guys... How did you guys feel as you were looking for stuff that was lost? And then when you found something, how fun was it? Felt like you had rug burn? Okay, there is, yes, there's a little bit of rug burn that can incur on this. Was anybody excited for what they got? Yes. What made you excited? What part? The chocolate one. The chocolate yes, the chocolate. Yeah. I like it. I love all that candy. So it it was fun and it was cool. I hope you guys enjoy all the things that you got. So why don't you guys go ahead and then go back. You guys can go back to your seats. Give them up for the kids. They had an... Did Trevor just take a bow? All right. So anybody know what we might be discussing today? Finding the lost. Yeah, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles or well, what's going on here? There it goes. So if you have your Bibles or the Bibles in front of you, also, uh, if you want to now or later, you can grab, remember, our COVID-friendly communion cups since we're not kind of passing around uh, the communion cups. Remember, we have those little individually wrapped and sealed communion cups. Uh, remember, the first tab Uh, opens up the cracker. And and then the second tab uh, opens up to the juice. So uh, we'll come to that at the end of the service. uh, But just so you can be thinking about that. And also when you get an opportunity, maybe after we close, look under those chairs and see maybe what the kids left behind and feel free uh, to take those uh, for yourself. Because who knows how much is left. I know there was 47 pieces. We'll see how much uh continues to be left in that. So, before we get to the scriptures, let me go ahead and open us up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come. We thank you for the fathers that you've placed in our lives, and we thank you for you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, it is a blessing to be in your family, to be raised in a home where, where a father gives us direction, direction in your word for life, Lord. Lord, be with us now as we turn and we study Luke chapter 15 and the things that you have for us today, this day, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is going to tell kind of three different parables. Remember, he's going to start out with the parable of the lost sheep. And he's going to talk about how this certain shepherd has 100 sheep. One wanders off and the shepherd goes looking for that one. And he concludes that story by saying, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Then after that, he's going to tell another parable. He's going to tell a parable of the lost coin. Now, a lost coin actually happened in our family this week. I was taking Kenzie to school on Monday and We had found a a nice little quarter in my car and I had given her this quarter and she was playing with it as we were waiting for kind of the the school bell to ring and all of a sudden I hear this, oh no. And I, I know what has just happened. She has now lost this quarter that was so precious and it had fallen between the seats in the car and then you can imagine what she did next. She began to kind of pry open the seats, putting her hand between the seats, trying to find this lost quarter. I wish, like the parable, it would have a happy ending, but there is still a lost quarter somewhere in my car. So if you want to go to my car, awesome, maybe you can get yourself a quarter, although I know a quarter doesn't get us that much anymore these days. But this lady had lost a coin in her house. So she is, as Jesus says, she's searching everywhere. Searching for this coin, just tearing her house apart, trying to find this lost coin. Looking over and over, and then finally she finds it. And she is so excited that she sends out a group text to all her friends with with the excitement of having found this lost coin. Jesus then ends that story with this, and he says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, we've all lost something. We've all chased after something. We've all yearned to find something. And, and Jesus is telling these parables in Luke chapter 15. And now, as he turns to what the, the parable of the lost son. And as we look at this day on Father's Day, so often on Father's Day, we look at ideas of leadership qualities, of role models. But today I want to take a look at this prodigal son and see what we learn from this father. From a father who has his son run away from him. A father who continually seeks for his son. And then a father who gives generously back to his son. So uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, but I'm not going to read the whole section. We're going to kind of just talk through uh, what is happening here in this story. So um, much like the world today, the younger son is often, you know, not so nice. Mark says, what? I'm just kidding. When your younger brother is in the audience, you can kind of pick on it because we got the older and younger in the room. But this younger son comes to his father, and he asks him for his share of the inheritance. Now, if you're familiar with this story, you know kind of the, the, the classic background is that he's kind of just wishing his father was dead. He wants his inheritance now. And as we see, as you understand, he was entitled to a third of the family's inheritance. The older son <laughs> was entitled to two-thirds of the family's inheritance. Uh, maybe we should continue that uh, today and this now. Um, but he's saying and he's asking for this inheritance from his father. And how many times as father are, are we hurt by the words of our children? This must have been something that he wasn't looking for forward to, he can't, maybe couldn't even believe that he would come and ask for this inheritance. So he gets his inheritance, he packs up his stuff, he has all this money, and he goes off to Las Vegas. It's just kind of the classic city that gets mentioned when you talk about this. He's on his way to Vegas. He's off to some faraway country. He's probably living it up and appearing on the this, this show MTV Cribs, showing off this great place that he has and his great possessions. He was probably clearly reckless with his money. He clearly never took Financial Peace University from Dave Ramsey because his money is wiped out. Now, we don't know how much money he had, but clearly, as you look to the family, and this was probably a very wealthy family, and he probably had a very wealthy inheritance. But now, it was all gone. And if you find out, as it leaves and as he's left with nothing, a, a famine comes over the land. And due to this famine, probably work is light and there's not much happening. And he takes a job feeding pigs. Now, what, what did the Jews think of pigs? They didn't think very highly of them. Dirty, unclean, no bacon for them. So he has reached a very low place in his life. A place where no Jew would, would find themselves wanting to work. He's asking for food and, and nobody is giving him anything. He then begins to reflect and to think about the life that he had before. And as he's thinking about his life before, he's reflecting on his, the servants that his father had. And he says, you know what, even the servants that my father had are, are living a better life than I have. So he gets this idea. and he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. And he he has a plan to say this. He's going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, treat me as one of your hired servants. So he heads home. And we're told that as he is on this journey, that while he is still off in the distance, his father sees him and comes running to him. He gives him a hug and he gives him a kiss. And the younger son has his speech all lined up, right? The thing that he is going to say to his father, but his father doesn't even acknowledge it. And instead, he wants to throw a great big party. What he says, he says, Jim and Joanna, get the pool ready. There is about to be a celebration. Now, the older son, much to my dislike, gets a very bad reputation in this story. It's not the greatest moment. He's a little upset with all this. He says, he says, I've always been here for you. He talks about his younger brother who's wasted his life and lived off on wild living. And then the father says, son, you were always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It is filling to celebrate and be glad. For this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. So as we reflect on on this story, as we reflect on these things of of a Father's Day, one of the first things that we see is a father who gives his inheritance. Now as I was preparing for this throughout the week, a question kept going through my mind. And I was thinking, why would he give it? Did, Did he have to give this inheritance to his son? So I was kind of searching the commentaries, and, and there was a lot of, especially within the, the outside of the Jewish culture, there was kind of some laws that said, look, if this is asked for, you need to give it. And so there was not really within the Jewish tradition, but many commentators think that it might have been a selection where, yeah, that because of the cultures around it, it was a normal thing that if it's asked for, you give it. So maybe this thing was a, considered that he had no choice. I always looked at it as maybe he had a choice, and it was kind of hard for him to maybe part with this, but he would see and maybe he would know that what his son was about to do was to leave them. But his father gave him this inheritance. And as many of the fathers in this room, you know, we try our best to raise our kids in the best way we can. We want to raise them in the Lord, we want to care for them and follow God completely. You know, sometimes it doesn't go the way we envision it. Sometimes children learn things the hard way and they go through their struggles in their lives. You know, I think this father must have been heartbroken by this request. To see his son take his money and just go off in a foreign country. I think this is such an interesting passage to study on Father's Day. Because if the story were to end here, you would think this isn't much of a story a son who has just wandered off. But I think the next thing we see in the importance of this is that as the son leaves and he leaves his father, we see a son who becomes lost without his father. In verse 13, we see where this comes from, the prodigal son living a a life of recklessness, of extravagance, of, of spending wastefully. And the prodigal son just spends all that he has until his inheritance is gone. He, he has left his father's care and guidance and becomes lost. He, he sought care and financial security in his inheritance. He had, he felt, all he needed and all he would ever need. But he realized he needed so much more than just this inheritance and this money to survive. He goes off to a far-off country. He, He distances himself from his father. He leaves the care, goes off far away, away from the care that he had been raised in, turned his back on all he knew. All these things led to him reaching rock bottom, of leaving the care and protection of the father. You see, as we think about how this story parallels to our lives and our relationship to our Heavenly Father, it's so often that we choose to to leave a life and live a life of sin, of pursuing the, the lusts that enter our lives and clinging to the sin that so easily entangles us. And in Isaiah 52, 9, he says, your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. You know, the the relationship to our fathers is a very important relationship. Without the closeness of our fathers, we can lose track of the way to live in our lives. You know, there's a lot of great evangelists who do a lot of ministries in prisons. They go and they minister to prisoners as they're going through and serving their time. And one of the most common things that they find is the lack of a father figure in their lives. The lack of a father to be there to guide them in their lives, to give them the direction and the path and the care that they need from a father. So they seek it in other areas. And as they seek it in other areas that they fall into trouble and they fall into the system which hurts their lives and hurts their growth. You see, their fathers either walked out on them or they were never there or never cared for them. And it's an important role that we play in the lives of our children To be there, to encourage them, to raise them in all that God has for them. So the story continues. And in verse 15, the son seeks help. But he doesn't seek help from his father. He seeks help from just a local farmer. He's not willing to go back to his father and he's seeking the help of locals. And it's that point where he reaches, as I said, rock bottom. Getting a job feeding the pigs. As you said, there wasn't much worse for a Jew. He was longing for the food. And what's interesting, as you see here, is that no one gave him anything. I think as I reflected on that phrase, I was thinking back to all that his father had given him. He makes this request, and his father even gave him all that he wanted. But now here he is. He wants food. He's asked, he needs food, but no one is willing to give him anything, unlike the care that he had for his father. Yet now here he is getting nothing in return. And I was thinking on this and reflecting, and I thought of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, he says, "'Ask, and it will be given to you. "'Seek, and you will find. "'Knock, and it will be opened for you. "'For everyone who asks, receives, "'and the one who seeks, finds, "'and the one who knocks, it will be opened. "'For which of you, if his son asks him for bread, "'is going to give him a stone?' If my kids ask for bread, I'm not going to give them a rock, I'm going to give them stone. Or he says, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who was in heaven give good things to those who seek him? As we are seeking him, we see our lives fall in line with what he wants for our lives. It's not about are our selfish asking of things. It's about what God has and God wants to give us. Like the prodigal son, when we seek a relationship with our Heavenly Father to pursue our own lusts and desires, we become slaves to sin. We seek to be a servant to those pigs, to eat the slop that is in our lives. We are left hungry and void on the inside. The next thing we see is the father was waiting for his son's return. You see, in verse 17, here he has that change of heart. He realizes that he needs to be home with his father. And his initial idea is, as I said, to come back just as a servant. He is thinking of home. He is thinking of the good things that he had. The roof that was over his head, the food that was on his table, and the father who loved him dearly. He wanted to return home, but he didn't think his father would ever take him back in the condition that he was in the first place. I'm not good enough anymore. After what I've done, my father would never take me back. I will be then a servant to him. I will serve him all the days of my life to make up for what I've done. And we see that he says that in his very words, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See, there, there is a story of a, of a teenage girl who would run away from home. She got into an argument with her parents, and she just got up and left. She was living in the streets, working in the streets, day after day, night after night, seeking a place to sleep, and often sleeping in public restrooms. She had thought of the love of her parents had once shown her and all the good times they had as a family, but she felt like she had wasted her life, unable To return home. She didn't think there was any chance they would ever take her back. One night, as she was walking the streets, she walked into a public restroom and she saw a picture of herself hanging on the wall. And it had a, a note written under the picture and it said, No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, we will always love you. And it was in that moment that tears began to come down her face and she realized all that she had done. In her life, But they weren't just tears of sadness. They were tears of joy. Knowing that her parents, in spite of everything she had done, still cared for her. That there was the same love that they had always had for her. And in that moment, she got a little glimpse of not just her parents' love, but of the love of the Heavenly Father has for us. You see, the Father in this parable demonstrates that very kind of love to His Son as well. And we see that in verse 20 where he was still in a great distance. And what that tells us is, is that this father was looking daily for his son. And it was every day as he got up to a certain part of the day, maybe when he first woke up, maybe even at lunchtime, every time he was looking out, looking on the path leading to this house. Saying maybe this is the day that my son will come home. Pleading with him, thinking, praying for him possibly, and thinking this is it. This will be the day. He had never given up hope that he would see his son again, that his son would return home. See, a father's love is one that never gives up on his children. It might have taken a while for the son to come to his senses, to realize what he had run away from at the home, but there is a father who was always there waiting with open arms, waiting and watching for his son to come home. Even though the the Father loves us and and he cares for us, there there is still this sign, this need of repentance. And and that's what he's kind of working up in his story, right? He's apologizing and saying, look, I'm sorry for all the wrongs that I have done. And as we think about our relationship to our Heavenly Father, there is a call to repentance as well. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, You will be saved. We know that as we live our lives, we stumble and fall. We were talking about that actually in the the 9 a.m. class as we're going through the book of 1 Peter. In in this section of this chapter we're studying, it it talked about the conduct in which we we live our lives, to live our lives in in a way that brings glory to God And, and how often we fall short of that standard. And when we do, we come before him with repentance apologizing for the sins that we commit in our lives. The next thing we see is a generous father. See, as his son is coming home, we see a father who's not willing to hang these things over his head, not willing to bring up his past mistakes, but a father who is willing to restore his relationship. And it must have been the shock of the life for this son. A party is thrown. When he is a great way off, his father runs to him, hugs him, kisses him. He almost doesn't even listen to the son's apology. As he's trying to lay out his apology, the, son, the father just continues on and says, get all these things, get everything for him. My son is back. And what we see in each of the things he mentions is how the father restores his relationship. He gives him a kiss saying, you are part of the family. He gives him a, a ring probably maybe a family ring and saying, you are restored to this family. He, he gives him a robe covering him in his lives. He gives him even pairs of shoes. You see, servants wouldn't have worn shoes. He gives him shoes to say, you are my son. You are not a servant in this house. And then he throws a great party to be back in fellowship, back into this community. And see, as I... Was reflecting on those and, and thinking of all that the Father did for him, it, it brought to me to Ephesians two, Ephesians two, chapter verses one through ten, where he says this. He says, "And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in what you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of this air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among you." whom you once lived in the passions for your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body. This is the the life lived in the prodigal son. Then he goes on and says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Christ. It says you were you were dead, you you were lost, you were a prodigal, but Christ, but God brought his son and died for you. See, the lost son, he, he brought shame upon the family. And if you read, remember our Bible reading, if you were reading through Deuteronomy, you know that part you kind of sleep through as you're turning the pages. Deuteronomy, as you're going through there, it says, Look, this son deserved to die. Because of the choices he made. That that he deserved to die for leaving and abandoning his family and wasting his inheritance. His punishment should have been to be stoned. But instead of that, he gets new life. And what a picture it is for Jesus on the cross. Jesus going to the cross and taking the punishment that we deserve for our sins. So he returns not as a lost son... He returns as a restored member of the family. And what's interesting, as you look at this, you realize that everything the younger son wanted, he had in his house. He went off searching for all these these riches and these joys and these greatness. For when he comes home, he finds a roof over his head. He finds clothing, jewelry, friends, joyful celebrations, and the assurance of a future. He had all he needed already at home. He gave it up in wasteful spending. He was willing to be a servant. He, he was willing to earn back his forgiveness, but his father says, you don't earn anything. It is a gift from me. It is a gift of eternal life. He learned misery in a far-off country, but he, he discovered the meaning of mercy and grace when he returned to his father. Today we we have seen a father who takes the time to know his children, to understand and care for his children. As fathers, I hope we take this challenge to be in the lives of our family, to be in the lives of our kids, to raise them in the ways that God has for us. Keep in mind, however, that the father knew that his son would return to him one day. He was waiting and watching for his son. I hope this passage, if we look at this, makes us aware of the great love that our Father has for us. And we reflect on the words of John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. You see, the beginning of Luke chapter 14 points out that the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining to Jesus. They were complaining that he was spending his time with the sinners with the lost people of this world. And he tells these parables to say, it is the lost that I came for to find those who are hurting, to find those that are broken and restore them into fellowship with the Father. In the same way, we as fathers care for our families. see, it's the gospel message that we are sinners unable to save ourselves. Jesus comes as a man into this world to live a perfect life that we cannot, to restore a relationship that was broken because of sin. And it is that that we remember today with a time of communion, that he died and that he rose again from the dead. And that all we need to do is repent and believe. And if you haven't repented of your sins, if you haven't turned to Christ, today is the day to begin your new life in Christ. Don't leave here today without reflecting on the love that your heavenly Father has for you. And Now I ask as we prepare for a time of communion that we reflect on our lives. You, you see Paul in, in his letter as he's writing in the first Corinthians. He, he tells them to reflect. To, to think over their lives and think about where they have fallen short. And confess any sins that they have to confess where they have fallen short. I ask now that we would take a few moments in silence and pray as we prepare our hearts for a time of communion. Pray to yourself and pray to your Heavenly Father. I invite the worship team to come on up as we get ready uh, for one more song as we close. But I want us to reflect on this story, to to think about the things of this the, the prodigal son. To see a father who gave everything to his son. Only to have his son turn his back and to leave. But then we see a a father who, who waited for his son to return. Who knew his son would return. For a son who realized all he had in his father. The love that his father expressed toward him. And then we see a father who restores his son and gives back everything he ever had. Fatherhood can be challenging. It can have its ups and downs. We can have children in all stages of life, but God calls us to be faithful in the way that he is faithful. To honor him in all that we do, we pray for our children. We pray that our children would come to the knowledge and the saving faith of Jesus Christ. And what an example it is to have not only this Father, but our Heavenly Father as an example. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the fathers that you've placed into our lives. Thank you for the love and the care that they show to us. Thank you for the example that they set before us, but most of all, thank you for our Heavenly Father who showed us his great love by sending us his Son that he would die on the cross for our sins, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for our fathers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.